Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. We'll begin this message with a prayer that I'm going to share again at the very end. It's my prayer for you. You find it from Romans 15, 13, where it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I began this moving forward sermon series, and we're in the fifth week, by telling you uh, some advice I had received from an old farmer when I was just a young pastor. He, this farmer could remember the days when, when they would use horses instead of tractors out in the fields. And he said to me, Mark, never say whoa in a mud hole. <laughs> like when you're pulling an implement with a horse and you're in the mud hole, you don't say stop. Let's slow down here. Let's pause for a moment or you'll be there for a while. You say, giddy up. Let's go. Never say whoa. In a mud hole. Well, these past, what, 17, 18 months can feel a lot like a mud hole in our life. We, we were doing fine. As, and suddenly, unexpectedly, this world pandemic hit us. And what we once took for granted, the day-to-day life, the day-to-day routine was interrupted. And we had to learn about, you know, adjusting to a, way, a new way of life, a way of isolation, a way of, of lockdown. And, um, it's been tough. I, you know, I just been thinking earlier this morning for this message, just some of the struggles that, um, this has caused in my life and the life of others. However, while you and I may have been caught off guard, we know God wasn't. God isn't panicking. He's, he's not fearful for God is bigger than a virus. He's still in control. And just to share, you know, some of his words from his book, the Bible, it says, we know and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose for them. We know from reading the Bible how God uh, whether it was when his people were going through wilderness experiences or living in exile or facing persecution, we know that his church, his people have always been able to move forward with God on our side, God leading us, leading our lives, leading our church. We never have to say, whoa, in a mud hole. Instead, we can do these things. And this is what we've been speaking about the last uh, four weeks. We can be moving forward with a great purpose to live for. Do you have that? We can be moving forward with a great passion to live effectively. Wow. We can be moving forward with great principles to live by. That's the word of God. And we can be moving forward with great people to live with. That's you. And now today we're going to go to number five and finish. And we might be camping on here for, for the next couple of weeks, but moving forward with a great power to live on. The text for this message and for next week's message will be found in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 and 9. Uh, it says this, We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not ourselves. 
We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We are knocked down, but we are not destroyed. The Holy Spirit is such a vast topic. I mean, I think I started like four different sermons trying to convey like what I wanted to say in this final message of, of moving forward with great power to live on. And I found that it's just too much. So I said, God, just, you know, just give me a simple outline today. And I'm just going to start all over again. And so I prayed and I heard God just say to me and press upon me two words and then a phrase. And so we'll look at the first two words today. And next week, we'll look at the third thing uh, that he uh, had shared with me. So the very first word is this. This is the first thing I heard Jesus say to me when I said, God, give me a simple outline. He said, empty, empty. And the fact is, we don't begin life already filled with God's Holy Spirit living in us. I heard a a well-meaning Christian once say uh, at a meeting some years ago, we are all God's children. We are all children of God. Not exactly correct, at least not according to Scripture. We are all created by God, yes. We are certainly all loved by God, but we are not all children of God. For his word says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God, are children of God. It's when we invite Christ, invite Christ into our lives that His Holy Spirit comes to live in us and lead us. And this is when we become children of God. Without the Spirit of God living in us, filling us, and leading us, we, you know, we feel empty, right? We know what that feels like. I know what that feels like. We've all gone through those times of feeling empty and we try to, you know, we feel unfulfilled. We feel incomplete. And so we go out in this journey trying to fill our lives with things, right? Trying to fill this emptiness in our life with things. And this means we we seek to try to, 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 to fill things in our life with everything but God's Holy Spirit. And the problem is we fill and fill and fill and we still feel empty. We, you know, we keep chasing after different things, hoping this is going to be the thing that's going to make me feel complete and fulfilled and bring me joy. But what they do is they kind of give a quick high or a short moment of satisfaction, but then they disappoint and we need to more them. We have to chase after them because they never satisfy. They never fill us. We try to medicate our emptiness with all kinds of things. Like maybe like with the hope of money will, will fill the emptiness in my life and I'll feel happy and joy when I have more of it. Or we turn to lust or sex or gambling or shopping or eating, drugs, alcohol, romance, cars, vacations, and so many things. We hope will bring me that joy and that satisfaction that's eluding us in life. And the problem is, as though we have all these things stuffing in our life, they never sustain us. Like an addict, we keep chasing after more. Needing more of them, more of a fix, another fix. The irony is this. This is the great irony. We can fill our life with so many things, and yet we feel so empty. The second word God gave me for this simple outline is the word fill. That makes sense. To help us understand our life and, and, and how we are made and for the purposes we are made, the scriptures they liken our life to that of jars of clay. Like we are like jars of clay in that we are created by the master's hand. All of us are created by God. We are created to hold something. We are meant, designed to be filled, just not with things. We are created to as fragile and weak, right? 
And also we are like jars of clay in that we're very common in ordinary. The jars of clay were found in all the homes back in Jesus' day, back in those New Testament times. It was it, Every home had jars of clay. So our text begins today that we read earlier. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. And it was such a contrast here between the, the powerful light, which represents God on the one hand, and then us, these ordinary jars of clay, which are weak and fragile. However, though we may be ordinary and common and fragile, we can be filled with this great treasure, the scripture says, of God's power. The power in us is not ours to wield and use as we might. It's God's power, and our text makes it clear. It says, this makes it clear, okay, I get it, that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. And we are to call upon God to use His power to accomplish His purposes. Now, the question I have in mind today is this. What if we were filled? Ordinary, common, weak, me. What if our lives, what if my life, what would my life look like? What would our lives look like? What would our church look like if we truly relied fully upon God's Holy Spirit power at work in us? You know, this message really began as a personal conviction. I was listening to sermons and I listen to sermons all the time. I, I listen to grow as well. Uh, and, and so I, every week I spend time listening to uh, different people speaking the word of God into my life. And I was listening to a speaker and, and he was saying what really was a confession. He was confessing how he started to feel like he and his church have allowed themselves to become part of church culture today where we are so self-sufficient. We're depending and relying upon ourselves. And he said how we can develop means and methods for doing church, which require or little or any or little help from the Holy Spirit of God. I thought, wow. We can become so self-sufficient that we got this all figured out that we really don't need, or at least very little, help from the Holy Spirit power of God. And I thought about me. You know, that's what I do. And and, and I thought about our church. And and I, I know we, we we know Jesus Christ has given us this mission, this mission to accomplish. And, and we know the mission. We hear it so many times. And we find it in Matthew 28, where Jesus says, where the word says, Jesus came to his disciples. And this is what Jesus said. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. We know that. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples. Teach them. To obey all the commandments I've given you. And be sure of this. I love this. Be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And it doesn't matter what church or or denomination we align ourselves to or, or where we live on this earth. This has always been and always will be the mission of the church as long as we survive and live on this earth. We are to go and turn real people and the real followers of Jesus Christ. That's our mission. If you want to say it differently and simply, we're to go and turn real people into real followers of Jesus Christ. And I guess the first question, you know, that, that I ask of myself and I ask of us is, do I accept this mission for his church? I know it, I hear it, and I say, but do I accept it? Is, is the church, you know, it, it, have I allowed it to become this club I belong to? Instead of a mission I live for. 
Is Jesus Christ something I do as a spectator on Sunday mornings or most Sunday mornings when I'm there? Or is it a cause which I must participate in all the days of my life? We have been given a mission. And that's why I keep reminding us how we could have the greatest church building. We could have the greatest church crowds and and the greatest church finances and still fail as a church. And and I I want these things. I I would rather have these things than, than not have them, the building, the people, and the finances. However, it is possible to have them all and fail in our mission because we do, we, because we do so many things. We'll do so many things, but we fail to go and turn real people into real followers of Jesus Christ. And I, and I believe we really want to be part of this mission. I do. But we need to understand it will take us relying upon the power of the Holy Spirit if we're going to see it accomplished. Really. When a church becomes self-sufficient, you can tell because it, it, it doesn't set time aside for their people to gather together for collective times of prayer that they may reach and fulfill this, this mission. Why? Because, well, they have marketing to do that for them. They don't have to reach people. They have marketing to, to reach people with. I listened to another great speaker say this week, do you want to know how you can tell if you're dependent upon God or you're more dependent upon yourself? And I'm going, yes, I want to know. How can I tell that if I'm dependent upon God or I'm really depending on my own means and my church's means? How do I know? He said, well, it's quite easy. Check your prayer life. And that caused me to examine my life, which I do a lot of. I may not have the greatest gifting and abilities in my church, and that there's so much I can't do, what others can do very well. But know this, I can pray. I can pray. I may not be able to do what you do, what you're able to do so well. And maybe I, you know, we can sit there and go, well, what can I do? There's nothing I can do. I'm just a weak, empty jar of clay. You can pray. You, you know, don't need the talent and the ability and the special gifting to pray. You just need to care. You just need to step out and pray. Here at the gate, we have set up these powerful times of, uh, we, we had set up these powerful times of collective prayer called prayer summits. And I've been part of these for over seven years. And they are amazing when the people of the church come together and pray together. And I was looking forward to moving uh, forward in the, these prayer summits, but then COVID hit. We had planned them, but then the pandemic hit and we're not able to gather together. So we're not going to give up. We did not give up. We came up with this idea of the prayer processional, right? Where we, where we gather together as a church, we go out in our cars, in the safety of our cars, and we circle the city praying together, relying on God to move through our prayers. And remember, as we announced Saturday, October 23rd at 9 a.m., we're going to gather at the Gate Church. We're going to meet together and we're going to set out this convoy, this processional, circling our city, praying for our churches, praying for our, our mayor, for our council, for businesses and for revival in our city. So I hope you will join us. You can pray. We have this room uh, set up off the sanctuary called the Tent of Meeting, the prayer room. And I'm looking forward, I'm right now in the process of, of getting that room equipped as a place where you can come anytime during the week when the church is open, come and, and get moved, remove yourself from distractions and have some worksheets that will help you pray in your life. 
If you need to pray for overcome temptation, we'll have, a, we'll have a sheet there that will help you with scriptures and questions that you can just work through and pray apart from the distractions of television and phones and people. And we're just, we just are ordering some furniture and some things to, to make this a place where you can just, you know, you can come and pray. And hopefully we use it right now before the service to pray. And we're hopefully, and what we're planning on doing is trying to utilize this room after the service where we can gather and pray as well. But I'm going to talk more about that later. So this preacher who was really confessing and who really um, convicted me went on to say how we can allow ourselves to become so part of this self-sufficient culture and church where we rely almost solely on what we can accomplish in our life that we don't have to fast. <laughs> I went, ouch, that hurt. Um, to understand what fasting is, let me, let me just share this definition. The focus of fasting is not on the lack of food. Instead, the purpose of fasting should be to take your eyes off the things of this world to focus completely on God. Fasting is a way to demonstrate to God and to ourselves that we are serious about a relationship with Him. Fasting helps us to gain a new perspective, and listen to this, and a renewed reliance upon God. And so I just realized, you know, in a new year, and we're going to lead up to this, but in a new year, we're going to have a time, we're going to call our church to a time of fasting because we do not want to be a self-sufficient ministry. <laughs> we do not want to rely upon ourselves to accomplish the mission that Jesus gives us. We know and we need a new reliance upon God and fasting will help bring us to that place. So look for that in the new year because, you know, the Holy Spirit wasn't just something that helped the church 2000 years ago is what God still wants his church uh, to be filled with today. He wants to lead us. He, he wants us to, to lead us in discipling others to turn real people into real followers of Jesus Christ. And I wonder, do we really believe it? Do we really believe it's possible for the same Holy Spirit that we see at work here, you know, in the pages of this book in the New Testament? Do we really believe the same Holy Spirit that was work here is still present and wanting and needing to work in the life of the church today? I would say you know, we all believe that. We all want that. I mean, it's God who's building the church, not us. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 18, I will build my church. I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. I'm not going to build the church. You're not going to build the church. It's not us, but Jesus who builds the church. Now, that may take the pressure off us a little bit. It's not up to me. Whew. But the Holy Spirit will want to work through you and in you. It's the only way, you know, it's the only way we, these jars of clay, can be effective. And fulfilling the mission we've been given. A couple of weeks ago, Morgan used a football analogy. And I thought, wow, that, that was great. It inspired me to use one this week. Do you remember she said how she used to think, incorrectly, how football was boring, this most boring sport? She now has learned that that's not the case. Football is very exciting. She's seen the light. Great. Football is not the most boring sport. We all know soccer is, right? <laughs> well, Francis Chan described what the church without the Holy Spirit can look like in terms of football. And I, so I, I understand this. In football, you have 11 guys out in the field trying to advance the ball down, uh, down the field to the end zone. And so what happens, the quarterback will gather the players together in something called a huddle. You've seen this. And, and in this huddle, these guys gather around. He calls out a play to his fellow players, which will help them move the ball forward, like moving forward. And all the players are excited. And there's a lot of motion going on in that huddle. And they receive the call from the quarterback. They all clap their hands once, break out of the huddle, get into their positions, ready to execute the play they have been given. All of them have a part. 
All of them have a part to play in being making this team successful. Now, chances, imagine you, you see your football team running out on the field. They huddle together. The play is called. They're all fired up. They're all excited. And then they break. But what if when they break from the huddle, you saw them run off the field to the sidelines and sat on the benches? And then 30 seconds later, they run back out on the field and they huddle again. And they're all excited. The quarterback calls a play and everyone is all fired up. They clap, they break, and they run back off the field to sit on the bench again. And you watch them do this over and over again. And you're saying, this is, this is senseless. This makes no sense whatsoever. This is not the effective way to, to win the game, to move forward in, in, in playing football. They will never advance the ball doing this. And Chan says, and, and I believe this, we cannot afford to have Jesus' church work that way. We can't just huddle together on Sundays, hear the preacher give the call, get fired up, and resolve to do something to move forward, only to run off the field and sit on the bench. I can tell you, and, and you know, this is my confession, I, I know there's been many times in my life where I sat under some real strong, inspired preaching of God's word, and I was determined to move forward and act upon what I heard on Sunday. And then Monday comes, and there I am, sitting on the bench. But I can't wait till next Sunday till I hear the call, get all excited again, and we sing about it, and we pray about it, we say amen, and, and we're all moved up, moved up, ready to go out with conviction, only to sit on the bench Monday morning, and Tuesday morning, and Wednesday morning. It's when we're actually out there running the play where the Holy Spirit comes alive in us. This is when and where the church moves forward. And others will look at us and say, how did you guys ever pull that off? You're just chars of clay. You're ordinary. You're common. You're weak. But we have this treasure. We have this light, this power in us that enables us to accomplish these great things, this great mission we've been given. The Holy Spirit can cause us to be bold and be effective, even though we are just ordinary, fragile jars of clay. You know, there's that moment in, in when the disciples, Peter and John, were, were brought before the religious council because they've been teaching about Jesus. They healed the lame man, and the council wants some answers. They're, they're, they're bothered and disturbed that Peter and John are preaching Jesus and, and the resurrection, that he's alive. They do not like this, so they question these two disciples. And, 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 and Jesus and Peter begins to give an answer about who Jesus is. Uh, and it was amazing. I mean, they, they were amazing. As it said this in Acts 4, 413, the members of this religious council were amazed when they saw what the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men. Does this sound familiar? Ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They all re also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Well, where did this boldness come from? Where did Peter find this conviction and this boldness to, to talk about Jesus? What caused these ordinary men with no special training to be so effective in their witness? Well, the answer is we find back in verse, about five verses earlier in verse eight, where it says this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. So they want answers, this council. They want why you're doing this, how you do this, and what power are you doing this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. And this is the evidence that we find 
which is possible in our life. We now have these, this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars, ordinary men with no special training containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not ourselves. You know, a few weeks ago, I was back in the, 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 the town of Blythe where I lived before I moved here to Niagara Falls. And I was there because our staff had a little time of retreat and some collective time of gathering together. And in the house where I lived was just very close by where we were staying. And I would see it numerous times during the day. And all these memories came back to me of living there, I think for about seven years. <clears throat> and I wonder, have you ever bought a house uh, because of just one room in that house? Uh, this house had this large back room where many people could gather together. And as soon as we saw this large back room, we pictured having groups of people over, uh, including our church life groups. And that's something we love doing. And, and, uh, and, and of course, if we have this large room, I told Glenda, if we have this big room, we're going to need a big screen TV. I mean, you can't have people in a big room squinting, trying to look a little at a little TV with, you know, some DVD teaching going on. Uh, we can't have that. So we'll need a big screen. And Glenda, you know, agreed. And so for the glory of God and for his kingdom, we bought a big screen TV for a big room. Now we did, we use this room quite often for our life groups. So it's very common to have life groups over to have people in this room. And I remember one particular time we were studying and talking about loving and reaching our neighbors, right? That's, that's part of the mission. That's what Jesus asked us to do. It's a fine topic for a Christian study. And then when we were finished learning and talking about loving and reaching our neighbors, we prayed to God about reaching and loving our neighbors. A fine thing for Christians to pray for. <clears throat> well, as we're praying for our neighbors, our eyes are bowed, our heads are, bow our heads are bowed, and our eyes are closed. I, I could hear my neighbor right beside us out on his back deck, out on his back porch playing his guitar. <clears throat> And he once told me that he was taking lessons and he's learning and hear him playing. And as we're praying for our neighbors, God impressed upon me saying, Mark, get up, get your guitar and go over to your neighbor's porch. You've talked about reaching your neighbor. You prayed about reaching your neighbor. It's time to get up and go. But I was nervous, right? Like I, I'm nervous about this. I, I can tell you it's a lot easier to sit with other Christians in your own home and pray for your neighbor than is actually to leave that comfort place and reach and be with your neighbor. Cause I know my back room. I know these people in my back room. I know prayer. I, I'm familiar, but I'm not familiar with my neighbor's back porch. I'm not overly familiar with him for that matter. I'm so comfortable where I am and what I'm doing, you know, teaching and learning and praying about reaching my neighbor that that when God said, okay, it's time to get up and go, I felt like, wow, this is, <laughs> this is way out of my comfort zone. But God said, go, step out, and risk. So what did you think? What do you think I did? Did I chicken out? Did I just stay praying for my neighbor, or did I go over and hang out with him? Well, <clears throat> while my group was still praying, right in the middle of their prayers, I got up grabbed my guitar, went next door to my neighbor. And I went knowing I'm just an ordinary, fragile jar of clay. I don't know what my small group thought. They're thinking, what happened to Mark? Where did he go? But I know though I'm this ordinary jar of clay, I have this treasure within me, this light and this power of the Holy Spirit who wants to work through me. And I go over with my guitar many times after that to play and, and to get to know my neighbor, even speak about God to him on his back porch.
without God filling us with his Holy Spirit, we won't have that boldness. Uh, we will fall short because we're relying on my own strength, my own wisdom, my own knowledge. We need to be filled with his power and his light to be effective. Without God filling us, we are empty. That's, that's the first word, empty, today that we looked at. And the second word is fill. And next week, we're going to look at the third phrase that God gave me. But I think we'll stop here today and we'll finish next week about what I heard next. But we heard, let's, let's, let's talk about today. We heard these words, empty and fill. And I just want to stop here for a moment. Let, let's just, let's just push the pause button and examine ourselves. Can we do that? I do this so much. It's, it's, it's so great. Yeah. Sometimes it's so difficult, but to examine ourselves, you know, we're not trying to press anybody else around us. So it's just, it's just me and God here and ask ourselves this question. Like, do I feel empty? Am I, am I trying to fill the emptiness in my life with things which just can't last, which will not sustain me in life? And I wonder, can you take a moment? And would you just pause and reflect on the things that you may want to confess? If you can confess, you can be honest with yourself saying, these are the things I'm putting hope in, the things I'm chasing after to bring fulfillment. And, um, and I feel like I can't live without these things, God. You know, to give these things up, I feel like I'm going to, I'm going to miss out so much. But the truth is you, you, you think these things would, would bring satisfaction and, Fulfillment, and yet you still need more, and, and you're still feeling empty. Could you, as we just would, I'm going to pray in a moment, or even just right now, can you just take a moment and say, Lord, you already know about these things in my life, these things that are not of you, that I'm trusting in to bring me meaning in my life to bring fulfillment in life. You know about them, but I need to confess them to you. So would you just confess them to him now? And as scary as it may be for you, as you know, and this will be scary, you are willing to let them go. <laughs> You're going to choose not to seek after these things as a means of bringing fulfillment to your life. Would you take a moment and just confess those things to him? Then the second word is fill and, you know, pray, you know, Jesus, I've, I confess to you about trying to find fulfillment in my life through money or in lust or in romance or substances, whatever, and wherever, you know, you're trusting, hoping in as bringing, you know, that completeness to your life. Anything but God. And I want you to ask the Lord to fill you with his Holy Spirit. You can do that now. You don't need to take a six week class. You can just right now. If your heart is sincere, invite the Holy Spirit to dwell 
and live in all the areas of your life which have been off limits to him in the past. Those things you confess, you, you're removing them, saying, God, fill me with your presence in every part of my life. And I'm going to invite you to pray these words you, you're going to see on your screen. And don't rush through them. Take your time. If you need to pause the video, please do that. Ponder them. And if you can agree with them, if you would agree with them, I just speak with the Lord. Pray this, these words. I'm going to close with the words I began the message with. you remember that? It is my prayer for you right now. It is my prayer for every day of your life. It's from Romans 15, 13. And honestly, this is my prayer for you. Would you receive this from me today? I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Why? Because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Let's keep moving forward with power to live on. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.